You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Well, we've been in a series, uh, I don't know how long, maybe like two months now, called The Best is Yet to Come. And uh, we have just uh, felt, um, our leadership team has just felt an overwhelming presence of the Lord on that phrase, the best is yet to come, particularly for our church and also for us as individuals. And, um, you know, we've been all over the map in this series, um, mostly just trying to, uh, you know, when, uh, when we're trying to dream and imagine um, what's possible for the future, it is really helpful to go back and remember what God has already done in our lives. And um, so we've been kind of in this state of imagining what, what God has next for this family. And we're not trying to rush anything. Like, we're not trying to manufacture um, anything that God may want to do or anything like that. But I feel like we're in a state right now of just dreaming with God opening ourselves up to possibilities. And, uh, and it's been a really incredible time. This series, we've been kind of all over the map. We've been in the Old Testament. We've been in the New Testament. We hit Gideon twice. Um, you know, like we've just been all over. And, and today, um, you know, I really felt a special presence on, on this word today. And so... Um, I just appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'm pulling double duty this morning, so I just would appreciate if we could just pause and, and pray together um, just over this word, because I don't want to say anything that's not of God. I don't want to say anything that comes from Jason. I want to just speak forth the truth of God and what God has for us this morning. So, Father, I submit this word to you right now. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would just... Cut out and stop up my mouth anything that's not of you, Lord. I pray that, uh, God, that you would connect with people through this word. I believe that you planted in my heart. And uh, I pray that, that seeds would be planted today, that you would water and come to fruition um, in, the, in the future, Lord. Father, we, we glorify you. There's no other name above you. And we give thanks to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Who, who remembers the original Willy Wonka movie? Anybody ever seen that movie with Gene Wilder? Um, I used to love that movie as a kid, and I still think it's the best Willy Wonka to this day. I mean, let's just forget Johnny Depp ever existed as Willy Wonka, because that movie was, was a, a, a bum. Like, that movie was not good. Um, uh, I mean, I like Tim Burton, but no, that, that movie was a no for me. Um, and uh, I, I, the thing about it is, the Willy Wonka movie, is that there were moments of it that, like, were beyond my imagination as a kid. Like, when they first enter the chocolate factory, I mean, I was just like, 
whoa, plants made of chocolate? Like, I never even thought of that. Like, wow, you know? And, um, and there, there were just parts of it that were beyond. There was also parts that were, like, scaring me out of my mind. Like, when they're on that ferry, um, you know, I used to have to leave the room when that part of the movie would... Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, that scared me so bad as a kid. And, uh, and Gene Wilder played that movie perfect. He was just, like kind of fun, but also just a, just like kind of crazy, you know, and, and I just loved it. And, and uh, like I said, what we've been doing in this series, there's like a great song in that movie. Um, I think it's called Pure Imagination, where it, where it like, you know, if you want to, no, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> but but there's, a, there's a song in that movie all about uh, imagination and... Um, and I don't know why we don't talk about imagination more in the church. Like it's like we're afraid um, to imagine in God, um, imagine all the things that God is capable of. It's scary. It, it, it may seem scary to open up our hearts to things so big, you know. And I feel like that's kind of what we've been doing in this season is like imagining beyond what our current situation is, what God might want to do through us. And, and um, you know, serving God, I think, sometimes requires some imagination because God doesn't always say something and it happens immediately, right? Lots of times there's a waiting period between what God says he wants to do in us and when it actually comes to fruition. We may not even see it come to fruition, but we play a vital part in it. And so, so sometimes I think walking with God requires imagination. And, and, um, and, you know, even still, sometimes what God wants to do is so big that it's beyond our comprehension, just like those kids entering the chocolate factory for the first time. Um, you know, it's so big and beyond our imagination, so it, sometimes what God wants to do in us and through us, you know. And <clears throat> the backstory of Abraham is not easily condensed. Um, and that's what we're going to go today. Um, we're going to just be um, going around Genesis a little bit. And at the end of Genesis 11, um, sets up the people who we're going to encounter in the chapters that follow. And you have Abraham, which at this point, is he's actually named Abram. So I guarantee at some point through this message, I'm going to say Abraham at the wrong time when his name is actually Abram. And so just go with it, okay? Abraham is Abram. Abram is Abraham, um, okay? And then, uh, so Abram, his original name, Abram means exalted father, exalted father, he gets his name changed later on, like I said, to, a to Abraham, but that's later on in the book. And we also are introduced to Sarai, Abram's wife, who was, we're told, extremely beautiful. She was very beautiful. And the name Sarai means princess or woman of strength. And this particular version of this name is in reference to her immediate family, so it can be kind of translated as woman of strength in the family. 
I know we have some women of strength in the family right here, right? And uh, so it could be interpreted uh, woman of strength in the family. And Sarai will also get her name changed later on in the book to Sarah. But for now, Sarah is Sarai. And uh, we learn very quickly that Sarai is barren and unable to conceive a child, which culturally in those days would have been cause for for shame and great tension in her life. And, and honestly, let's just take a moment and let that sink in. Feel Sarai's pain because, you know, you may know someone or there may be someone in this very room that feels pain because they are unable to conceive a child for various reasons. And, and uh, and that's not something to diminish or just breeze over, right? Because that can be very painful. And so let that sink in. Like, that's what Sarai is facing right now. That's what Sarai and Abraham are facing is, is childlessness. In a day and age where childlessness, like children, were everything. And... Um, we also have Lot, who's Abraham's nephew, and we won't be discussing Lot a whole lot today. Um, maybe we'll dig into his story another time. But for our purposes today, we're going to primarily focus on Abram and Sarai. And, and, and not to be forgotten in this story, God. Right? Right? Yahweh, the one whose very name mimics our breathing in and out, Yahweh, right? The maker of the mountains, the, the one who spoke in a formless void, took shape in the earth, and the sun and moon and stars came into being. Can I get an Amen. Come on, church. Somebody bring me a hanky. The God that is still the one and only God today, right? You guys aren't getting your cues. The one who we still give praise and glory to today. There we go. You guys caught on. The same God who calls Abram and promises to bless him, right? So in Genesis 12, 1 through 4, I'm reading from the NIV translation. It says this, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord told him. Now, I know that was just a short section of Scripture, but I want to recap what just happened. I, 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 uh, only because God saw something in Abram. I wanted to say Abraham, but I caught myself. Abram, and not because of anything Abram had done, God chose to bless Abram and his family. Not because of anything he had done, but because God saw something in Abram. 
He didn't earn it. He didn't deserve it. It was only because God saw something that no one else could see. And in summary, God calls Abram into a lifestyle of a sojourner or a refugee. He calls him out of his father's house and says, come into the land that I've shown that I will show you. God says, I know you don't have any kids now, but I'm going to change that. And you'll have enough immediate family to create a nation. God says, I will bless you and I will and you will be a blessing. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Not only that, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in fact, everyone on earth will be blessed through you. Now, if I'm Abram, I'm feeling pretty good right now, right? Like, I'm feeling pretty good. I just found out that the cultural shame of being childless is about to be miraculously lifted from my wife and I, and because God told me it would be, right? If I'm Abram, I'm feeling like, for whatever reason, God saw something in me, and as long as I'm obedient and don't go against God, right, I'm safe from whatever the world throws at me, right? Because the creator of the universe told me it would be so. God also told me he wants to use me to bless all people on the earth. Shoot, I was born to be a blessing. Right? If I'm Abraham, Abram, I'm feeling pretty good right now. But whether he believes God means what he says will be determined when trouble comes. And trouble always comes. Just like us, whether, we, whether or not we believe God will do what he says he will, whether we believe what God says will be revealed at the first sign of trouble. Whether we believe God will be revealed at the first sign of trouble. So if the truth is revealed in trouble, Abram fails. He fails. Because, because of a famine, Abram and his family end up in Egypt, and at the mere thought of the possibility, the mere thought of the possibility of trouble with the Egyptians, Abram does something exceedingly selfish. He tells Sarai in chapter 12, 11 through 13, as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife? That's usually what people say to me, like, this is his wife? She's shaking her head, sorry. I'm going to pay for that later. Um, then they will kill me, but will let you live. Here, so that I don't get into trouble, so that I don't have to face any tension, say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. That's underhandedly sneaky and selfish. 
God has just told Abram that he will bless those who bless him and curse those who curse him. And Abram thinks so highly of what God said that to avoid conflict, he is willing to give the Egyptians his wife. Sarai, the princess and woman of strength in the family. Abram knew that the Egyptians not only wouldn't harm him, but they would most likely bless him with material wealth because of how beautiful Sarai was. Instead of accepting the blessing from God on faith, Abram takes matters into his own hands, plays God, and manufactures a blessing for himself. How sick is that? And yet, it stings a little, doesn't it? But even though, even through all this mess, God remains faithful to what he said to Abram. God even deepens the blessing over Abram and his family. And you might think, man, that, that is unfair. And to that I say, we knew from the very beginning that God didn't call Abram because of anything that he had done. He didn't do anything to earn God's favor. It was because God saw something in Abram. And that hasn't changed. And in Genesis chapter 15, God comes to Abram again and says in verse 1, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. And Abram starts to complain to God about still not having any children. And how God can bless him all he wants, but without children all of that blessing will just go to his household servant. And Abram didn't even hear what God said. I am your very great reward. And yet God is patient with him. Check this out. In chapter 15, 4 and 5, it says this. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And right here, God makes a sacred covenant with Abram. A covenant is this uh, in this culture was, was like a promise or like a binding contract that involved the blood of animals. There's always blood involved in a covenant. This binding contract where two parties become bound together in agreement and it's like the deepest form of a pinky promise you can make. Like, it's like the pinky promise with a lock on it, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but here's the odd thing. Usually two people make the covenant with promises on both sides. But at the end of Genesis 15, we were just told that the promise is only made by God to Abram. 
So think about this for a moment. God has already told Abram he will bless him with children once. He's already told him once. This time, God makes a sacred promise that Abram would have very much felt the cultural significance of. I'm sure Abram was telling Sarai all about these encounters with God when they happened. And so all along, Sarai was barren. She was receiving this hope of blessing and children too. And you, you just don't see the blessing happening. She keeps getting word of, of, that this blessing is going to happen, and she's living in the reality that it's not happening. You know, the promise of God, but you still don't see it in your life the way you want to, in the timing you want. And that's where Sarai is at right right at this point in the story. She's frustrated and she's tired of waiting. And so this time it's her who takes matters into her own hands, plays God, and tries to manufacture the blessing. We find this part of the story in Genesis 16, verses 1 through 4. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Dummy. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai his wife took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Because of Sarai's frustration and impatience with God, she took matters into her own hands and tried to play God. And now, as far, and now, as if their family dynamic wasn't complicated enough, what Sarai meant for good only hurt her in the end. And even though everything went according to Sarai's plan, her manufactured blessing caused her a tremendous amount of pain. Hagar, Sarai's servant, has a son with Abram, and his name is named Ishmael. And I'm just going to be frank. There's a lot that unfolds at this point of the story, and a lot of it is very messy. The reality is that a lot of our own families today are very familiar with being complicated and messy. And not everything gets resolved and tied up in a little neat bow. And yet God stays faithful to us, just like he did Abram and Sarai. God continues to deepen his promise to Abram and Sarai despite their failings. And in Genesis 17, God takes it a step further, a step deeper. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. 
Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will be great and you will greatly increase your numbers. And Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. And I will be their God. And God continues on in verses 15 through 17. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarai, will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? See, God changed their names. Abram Exalted father became Abraham, father of many nations. He changed Abraham's wife's name from Sarai, woman of strength to the family, to Sarah, woman of strength to the nations. God kept his covenant even when he knew they wouldn't. And despite the mess Abraham and Sarah made, impatiently seeking out blessing and trying to manufacture it for themselves, God would not be hurried. What God had in mind was far greater than they could imagine. God kept trying to tell them what he was going to do all along, but because they couldn't imagine it to be true, they didn't believe God. Why are we so quick to dismiss the things of God that require imagination? Like I'm going through the New Testament right now, and there are so many things that I thought were metaphors that I'm starting to believe are not metaphors. The things that I used to think were just far off and spacey language are now becoming truth to me in reality. Why are we so quick to dismiss 
the things we don't understand immediately. Finally, the promise of God begins to take hold in Genesis 21, 1 through 7. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah. And as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised, Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When the son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God's commanded, as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The faithfulness of God doesn't work on our own time frame. See, God's not obedient to us. God doesn't work like that. God is God, and we are his creation. Sometimes we try, to, we try to get God to be obedient to our plan and our timing, but God, God doesn't have to be obedient to us. He's just faithful. He's faithful to what he says. He's faithful to what he promises. He's faithful even when Abraham and Sarah weren't. Isaac is born. The God who is continually throughout the Old Testament from, from shortly after this, the God that's referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is a story for another time. I love that Sarah laughs. She says, God has brought me laughter. Because it is just something so crazy, something so beyond our comprehension that somebody could bear a child at 100 years old. Why are we so hesitate, hesitant to fully believe God will keep his promises to us? We may believe it in the moment it's promised. But when time goes by and we don't see the answer, we don't see the promise fulfilled, that's when we have to begin to look back on the faithfulness of God in our lives and throughout history. Because that spurs on our faith. Abraham and Sarah's story. You know, God keeps talking about many nations are going to come from you. And generations uh, of your descendants, I will give this land. Well, this story of Abraham and Sarah 
and their childlessness reminds me of another couple from the New Testament, generations later, who are distant relatives of Abraham and Sarai. Generations into the future, we find them in the book of Luke. Their names are Zechariah and Elizabeth. And when an angel visited Zechariah to tell him Elizabeth would have a son, even though she was on in years, even though she was older, Zechariah didn't believe the angel either. But Elizabeth did conceive and become pregnant. And God used Elizabeth's pregnancy to confirm to her young cousin, Mary, that she would become pregnant and give birth to the Son of God, Jesus. All along, God was faithful. God did exactly what he said he would do. And through Jesus, everyone on earth was blessed. God always does what he says he will do. God always keeps his word. When you grow impatient and tired of waiting, don't try to manufacture a blessing because that always ends badly. Take a deep breath. Remember that even if we can't see it, God may be doing something beyond what we can imagine. Because with God, the best is always yet to come. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for these accounts, Lord, I don't say stories because stories give off the vibe that, that they're folklore or something. These are accounts of your faithfulness. And so when we're feeling weary, when we're feeling um, impatient, Lord, Lord, may we look to your faithfulness through the generations and through our own life. And we will be reminded that you always do what you say. We may be unfaithful, but you always keep your promises. And you always know what the best thing is for us next. Lord, it's in your holy name that we pray and remember these things. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.